Well, good morning, Memorial Baptist. How are you guys doing today? Rhetorical. You know, you're doing, doing good. Oh, there we go. I like it. Students, are you guys are here. How are you guys feeling? All right. Then, you know, they're, they're a little bit tired, just a little bit. All right. You know, if you see them nodding off a little bit, if you see somebody, just give them a little, a little shove. Not a full shove, just a little elbow. How about that? Just a slight, okay? I've had a good weekend getting to know uh, your students, um, a good time with your student ministry, and um, they are an exceptional group. And I know a big part of that is because of the exceptional families that they are raised from, the exceptional uh, church family that they have. Like, they impressed me a lot. So we learned a lot. Um, just to tell you, a little, tell you a little bit about me, my name is Daniel. And um, I, I am now in Houston, Texas, so just a couple hours up the road. Um, I just moved there in June after I got married uh, to my lovely wife, uh, who couldn't be with her, us this weekend. Um, but we are, um, we are in Houston starting college ministry. And so um, I'm part of the organization called Commission that your church uh, is a big part of and was the, the first church to buy in and starting and investing in the college ministry. And so um, because of something that your church was a part of and starting, I get to do something over in Houston, Texas. And so um, it's awesome to be a part of. And um, it's just been awesome being able to learn your church and the story. Um, and so, yeah, we just moved there in June and I'm in the inner loop at Weston Church. Um, the thing about the inner loop of Houston, Texas, real estate is very expensive. And so a lot of churches aren't staying in that area. Um, they, they'll build up the church and then they'll move out within the suburbs. And so we, and the thing is for the college campuses, there's college campuses nearby uh, within the loop. There's three of them uh, that are major, um, which are U of H, uh, Texas Southern and Rice. Um, and there's a couple other campuses around uh, that are important as well, but those are the three major universities. And the problem is that those universities are within the loop, but they're not necessarily always connected to a church. And we have a lot of a strong presence of parachurch ministries on campus, um, but we're, we're excited that the opportunity that brings of getting some college students connecting to a church. And so, um, so yeah, that's just a little bit about me. I want to give you all a recap of our re- weekend. Uh, we've been talking about this concept of simplify. Um, I love that Jeff has brought that, um, that concept to our, our hearts and minds because um, there are a lot of things in the midst of our, our, our complicated lives that we can be drawn to some simplicity. And uh, we've had a good time leaning into that. And just to let you know what we've talked about, um, in session one, we talked about um, Micah 6.8, what God requires of us. And that's doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly. And um, the Israelites, they, they messed up because they were doing injustices amongst one another. Um, they were uh, worshiping these idols constantly over and over again. And when the time came to, for them to feel like they need to get right with God, they kept on presenting these things. They were like, oh, can I give you a calf? Can I give you a thousand rams? And God was like, I don't want that. I want your heart. And so that's how we set the foundation for our, our weekend um, in, in talking about this, this idea of uh, simplifying. Um, because in reality, life is very complex. And I, I didn't want to try to say that life is simple, because that would be a lie, and that would be very unloving. And a lot of times, as a coping mechanism, we try to simplify the complexities of life, but God created the complexities of life for a reason, and they're meant to be embraced. And, um, but the, just because life is complex doesn't mean our lifestyle has to be. There are some simple habits that we can lean into our life that, that, that God wants for us that will help us in the midst of the complexities that life brings. We're promised trials on this side of eternity. And so, I mean, I, it, it'd be very unfair for me to say that life is simple. 
but, but there's some, some simplicities that we can definitely lean into. And so that's how we started the foundation. Session two, we talked about devotion to community. We talked about the fact that we're on the same team. I asked, asked a question with the students of, what are some of the favorite teams that you guys have been a part of, whether it's groups, organizations? And um, it was fun being able to name all of these things, all of these qualities that make these, these, these teams fun to be a part of, whether it was accomplishments, whether it was camaraderie, uh, brother and sisterhood, the fun that they were able to have together. And then a student said, my youth group. And I wanted to lean in and sit on that because um, a lot of times we, we are willing to put in the work to make these, our earthly teams better. But when it comes to the most important team that God has called us to be a part of, which is the fellowship of believers, we don't, we're, not always, we're not always willing to, to, to fix the problems. We're not always willing to uh, keep that jersey on and represent and know that we're all on the same team here as a fellowship of believers. So we talked about unity. We talked about community. And we looked at the early church and what they were devoted to and what they were willing to give up a large part of their lives for and the mission that God has called us to live out. And so today, um, I'm going to finish our weekend off um, and, and today's objective is, is, is leaning into the fact that Christ calls us to simply remain. Okay, uh, would you guys stand with me? We are going to turn to John um, t- chapter 15, verses 4 through 5. I would like to read this together. And also, I have some students I have to keep in mind that I have to keep the blood flowing because, uh, you know, they're tired. I just want to get some up and down movement so that they can stay in the game here, Okay. John chapter 15, verses 4 through 5. And it says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You all may be seated. Will you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for this special church and this special opportunity that I have to be amongst them. God, I thank you for all the things that we've been able to learn from one another this weekend. And God, I ask that you speak through me. God, as I point um, this congregation to scripture, Lord, I pray that what sticks with them is your truth and not my opinion. And God, I pray that this not be something that we just hear, but we find a way to apply it to our lives. God, I thank you for the work that you've already done in us. And in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so my, um, I told you I, was, I, I moved to Houston um, in June, and so I was doing college ministry prior to that in Frisco, and your church also had a, a big part at, at the start of uh, my start in college ministry in general. Uh, Ridge actually uh, sent a couple letters to me to encourage me, and that was a very scary time of just stepping into college ministry, not knowing what I was getting into or how I was going to do it. And uh, it, I, I do not forget that I got a couple letters from Memorial Baptist Church as a letter of encouragement as I started that thing. And so I appreciate that. Um, I, I, was, I was in Frisco for a couple years and the, my wife, she does healthcare administration. And so we were getting uprooted from Frisco, which I thought I was going to be at for a while. And um, God had other plans and we ended up moving to Houston. And uh, at my time in Houston, she had her job, but I was still figuring out what the Lord wanted me to do. And that was a very difficult transition. And uh, this was fresh after marriage. And so, you know, we've got bills on the way, bills that still needed to be paid. And I was like trusting in God of like, hey, God, I need you to, to figure something out for me. 
And it was hard trying to find a job and putting so many applications in on Indeed and um, trying to do the best that I can. And in the meantime, um, that, that's exactly what my day was looking like. I was, I was filling out a bunch of applications and uh, I, I wanted to do my part and hold a little bit of weight. And so I was, I was door dashing in the middle of the day um, and, and, and just doing what I can around the house, trying to be a good new husband, new to marriage. And um, what's funny is that she would get off of work and I would just have all this energy built up for her. And um, she, I would just want to do all the different things because, you know, I was at home, I was doing all these things, and she just came from a long day of work, and I would have all this energy, and she'd be like, I just want to relax, Daniel. I just, like, you have way too much energy for me uh, to be dealing with right now, okay? Um, I, I, I say that all to say because being what I considered on the bench and trying to figure out what to do with my life or what, where God was leading me, it was a hard place to be at. And I had to ask myself, why was it that hard for me to just sit down? Why, why, why was that so difficult for me? And it was hard for me to embrace that season of life. And, um, and I had to ask myself the hard questions of why that is. And um, I, I, I did learn a lot of things about myself, of how a different change of pace and, and, and being without certain things, um, like what, what that really meant for me and how how closely I was holding on to these things that when, when God was just like, I just want you to just enjoy my presence, enjoy being with me, enjoy remaining and enjoying sitting still. And I had to trust that he was going to open some doors and, and figure out some things for me. But that was a hard place to be at. Um, I, I, I share that story to say because I desperately needed to get a life. And I know that's like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, you needed to get a life. Like, and um, the thing that I needed to, to lean into more is this abundant life that Jesus offers. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit about that today uh, with a very, very popular metaphor that he uses with the vine and the branches, okay? Um, so John 15, verses 1 through 11. Let's, let's, I'm going to read this off for you guys real quick. Um, it says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that, that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers, and the branches are gathered, gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father had loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as my father kept my, my, my father, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Okay, so talking about this idea of the vine and the branches, I have a picture illustration for you guys. Um, I, I know this is a story that we've seen over and over and over and again. And as I was preparing this and thinking about how it relates to this idea of simplicity, um, 
it, 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 it really stood out to me, just the full entire picture of this aspect of, of, of Jesus being the vine and us being the branches, okay? So we have God the Father, who in, in Scripture is, is pointed to as the vine dresser, okay? God is the one who plants the seeds into the soil. And, and not only does he plants the seed into the soil, he gives us, he gives it what it is needed to grow. So he provides the sun, he provides the water, he provides all these things so that this seed has exactly what it takes, what it needs to grow. And the vine is the sun, which is Jesus. Okay, so the, the, the roots, we see the roots at the bottom of the picture, the bottom of the screen, and we have the, the sun that's uh, related in the middle, that, which represents Jesus. And then we can see a picture of, um, like I said, the Holy Spirit, the sun, the rainfall, and everything that's needed to help to grow. And then we have ourselves as the branches. And an interesting aspect of the branches is the fact that there are some branches in there that are able to produce fruit, and there are some that aren't. And there are some that are connected to the vine, and there are some that aren't. There are some that are around other branches connected, but they're not producing anything, okay? And I, I, I want us to think about that because um, a lot of times we live in a culture that thinks produce, produce, produce. We think of all the things that we have in our lives that, that we are required to do, good things that aren't necessarily bad, but it, we, we, we embrace this mindset of, of producing when this picture of, of the vine and the branches creates this idea of remaining and abiding. We think that we can produce the fruit of the Spirit by ourselves, but we can't. We have to stay connected to the source, and that is the vine. That's the picture that, that we're looking at today because without it, it even says in Scripture, we produce nothing. Okay, it says, remain in me and I in you. Abide in me and I abide in you. Like it says it over and over and over again. It says it so many times. Remain, abide, remain, abide. And this is a very anti-cultural mindset. Like, to think about the, the, the fact that, like, oh, we, we, we wake up, we go to work, we do all of these things. Like, we, we constantly wake up, and our first thought is to produce. When it's important for us to remain, it's important for us to abide. So, um, I, I, I want to give you this, this entire picture because without Christ, we cannot be whole. Without Christ, we cannot produce anything. And apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And I know you're like, man, I can do nothing. Like I, I, there's nothing I can do. You can't do anything that is, that is worthy in God's eyes worth doing. Like the things that ultimately matter at the end of the day, we cannot do them without Christ. In order to produce anything of substance for Christ, we must be connected to Christ. Oftentimes we don't even find ourselves wanting to produce anything for Christ because we get so caught up in wanting to produce things for ourselves. And I want to point you to scripture on how meaningless that is. Um, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. And this, this uh, very rich guy named Solomon, I'm talking about filthy rich. We, we, think, of, we think of Bezos, we think of, 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 of so many rich people that we have on 
in, in America right now, and they were not touching this guy Solomon. And Solomon had all the riches in the world. He was able to experience all these great things. And I want to show you what he discovered, uh, even though he, he had pretty much everything on this earth that, that you would think would, would be meaningful to have. Psalms, or Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. And it says, so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure for my heart found pleasure in all of my toil. And this was the reward for all of my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity. And after striving after wind, there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Solomon says, I had it all. I worked really hard. Here's, here's, here's exactly what my toil gave me, that there was nothing to be gained under the sun. More of the story, his discovery is that it was all meaningless. It was all meaningless. And so it leads to the question of what are we striving for? And we talked about the students, we talked about this idea of, of simplicity and the things that can kind of ruin our, um, our focus of, of enjoying or seeking out the, the, the simplicities that God wants us to strive after. And um, one of the things that gets into the way is our busyness. And, and, and here's a quote that I have from it. It says, busyness breeds confusion. Simplicity breeds peace. Busyness breeds confusion. Simplicity brings peace. And I'm not trying to say that life can't be busy at times. Sometimes life is so busy and it's not necessarily by our own doing. But it's important for us to, to lean into the simplicities, the simple habits that God wants us to lean to as we face the busyness that life offers. It's important to us to protect and, 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 and look out for the busyness that we can add on to ourselves because the world wants us to strive for a busy life. Because we can be so busy that we don't see the other people around us. We don't see what God wants us to do. Busyness forces us to focus on ourselves. And I know like, like we, we get many seasons of life that are just a little bit more busier than others. And my encouragement for you today is, is to remain connected to the vine especially as you're in the midst of these busy, challenging seasons, you are going to need to remain and abide into the vine. So we talked about life being complex, but your lifestyle can be simple. And I have some simple habits that can make a big difference in your life. OK, so I have five of them and I'm sorry I um, did not prepare the screen with these. So you're just going to have to keep up with my notes on this one. OK, um, these are five ways to simplify your lifestyle. OK, um, I, I just love giving this to the students over the weekend that I felt like it was important to bring um, to the service today as well. Um, number one is knowing that the world embraces a complex and busy lifestyle. The world embraces this. And Jesus draws us to a simple lifestyle. I'm not saying I'm not saying life is simple. That I, I'm not saying that at all. I actually use the example of when I was um, driving in the car with my now wife and we were 
driving from Angelo to Lubbock and my car was breaking down and we were playing this game of what's the worst that could happen. And in that situation, like I was trying so hard to simplify a very difficult situation to act as though like me having a simple perspective on it was going to change the situation. It's not. A lot of times we use simplifying things as a coping mechanism. And we have to see that exactly as it is. It's like, okay, just because I'm, 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 I'm simplifying my perspective on this does not make this complex thing very simple. Okay? But there, there, there's some merit to that as well because there are some simple things that God wants us to lean into as we face these complexities of life. Okay? So here's five ways to simplify that. Know that the world embraces a complex and busy lifestyle. Jesus draws us to a simple one. Number two is develop a simple habit and protect your time with God. A simple habit that can transform your life. A simple habit of saying, you know what? I am going to be inspired by the word of God before I go about my day. That my perspective in life, that I, you know what? I can't produce any fruit that are worth producing unless I am connected to the vine. Because God chose us in a, in a very special place to, to do his work, to partner with him. Because when we produce the fruit of the spirit in our lives, that fruit becomes wine, which is the love of God. And that's what he wants others to see. And we cannot produce that without him. Number three is praying before you decide. I want us to stop or be encouraged to stop in the moment yeses. I know I fall short of that all the time. And this was something that was put before me that helped protect me of that in the moment yes. I, I can a lot of times be a people pleaser. And um, when someone asked me to do something, I was, you know what? I am capable of doing that. But just because I can do that doesn't always mean it's best for me to do that. And so one thing that I, that I, that I had to protect myself with was stopping and reducing my in the moment yes. I won't, I won't say stop altogether because there'll be times where you're like, you know what? Yes, I will do that. But reducing your in the moment yeses. In the moment yeses force us to, to, to evaluate things or force us to commit to things without evaluating them, okay? And, and, and that's a special way of protecting, protecting that, okay? Number four, Oh, before I move to four, I have, I have a, a, a quote that stuck out to me that, um, that's been useful this weekend, is strengthening your no can increase the weight of your yes. We have to protect our no. There's, there's a lot of value of, of, of your no because it increases the, the yes that you can commit to. We say, we, we, we say yes to a lot of things that, that we, we, we commit ourselves to and it reduces the product of what we're able to fully give to people and give to others. And I, as a people-pleasing type of person, saying no was one of the hardest things that, that I could do. And um, I had to even develop the habit of like, you know what, I'm gonna say no for 24 hours. Like, you know what, today I'm gonna say no because I need to practice and, and build some strength in saying no. Strengthening your no will increase the value of your yes. Number four is praying in the midst of conflict. The enemy wants us to isolate when we're in the midst of trials. Life is complex. 
and, and, and trials are guaranteed on this side of eternity. And the enemy wants us to be far away from God, far away from our community. And we must pray in the midst of conflict. Number five is taking your decisions to community. I, I, I think this is important because it's important for us to have a board of director for our lives. We have board of directors for organizations, uh, for programs and all these things to make important decisions. And the decisions that you make in your life are important as well. And you should have people in your life that, that can give you truth that's inspired by the truth of God's word based off of the things that are going on in your life. These are ways that you can help make complex matters simple decisions. By having others that you can rely on, your, your fellowship of believers that can help you navigate through these complex things. So as I talk about simplicity, this doesn't mean that we have to be simple and boring people, okay? Um, I'm, I'm an introvert. I know I'm, that's probably very alarming to you guys. I'm a, I'm a social introvert. I, I draw near, when, I draw energy when I'm alone. And so um, like the, 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 the boring and simple, I can definitely lean into. But this doesn't mean I'm, I'm prescribing that. Just because uh, there are things that, and aspects of our lives to simplify doesn't mean that we have to be simple people. God wired us with so much creativity, with so much beauty in so many different ways. And he wants us to, to use those gifts for his glory. So this doesn't mean that, hey, I'm prescribing all things simple all the time. But there are simple habits that Christ wants us to lean into that allow us to, that, that make big differences in our lives and the lives of other people around us. The cool thing about this is that our unity with God is completely dependent upon the work that Jesus has already completed. Our connection to that vine is, is, is already done. If we walk across that bridge and accept Christ in our lives, when we accept him, that abundant life that he offers, we have access to. Well, we're connected to the vine because of the work that he's already done. So that's why we have this picture of we don't have to produce all we have to do is to remain connected. All we have to do is abide in him because he's already done the work. Before we even think about our unity with other people, we must first think about our unity with God. So I have a demonstration for you guys. Um, this one um, pretty much connects to the fact that a lot of times we want to give the things that we do have with a good heart, with right intentions, and, and, and pour it out to the people amongst us, okay? We're pouring out. We have some things to offer and to provide to the people in our lives. And the dangerous place that we get into is that as much as we want to give people around us, even with the right hearts and the right intentions, we still like to pour even though there's nothing in there. We still like to give even though there's nothing to give. And we think we're doing the right thing because it comes right out of the right heart posture, but it's actually very unloving to give from an empty cup. But that's what we like to do all the time. We like to pour until we're empty. We love the people around us until our cup is empty and we think that we're doing a good deed. But I want to tell you what is more loving is pouring from a cup that's full. And this is the cup. Like as, as God pours into us, the things that we offer other people, oh, I put that in the wrong spot, I'm sorry. 
Let's move this so this is a little bit cleaner. No one has to clean this up. The things that we offer other people comes out of the overflow of our cup. That way, what we're giving to others comes from a cup that is full. And that we don't have to sacrifice the fullness of our cup for the things that we offer to other people. That's the picture of what being connected to the vine is. Us being full and the things that we offer to other people come out of the overflow of what God puts in us. I want to point attention to John 15. Sorry, we're flipping back. John 15, verses 12 through 17. And I would like to look at this verse starting at 12. It says, this is my commandment. I want us to sit there for a second because it says the word commandment. A lot of times we can treat what precedes this as a suggestion of um, if we're in the mood. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. This is what he commands us to do. This isn't one of those conditional things. Because God has loved us, he wants us to love one another unconditionally. Verse 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. In a nutshell, something that, that, that sticks out to me here in this verse is that Jesus wants us to make friends. And that, that, that friends part of it sticks out to me because I think of the people that we're blessed to be around in our life, whether it's our classmates, whether it's our coworkers, whether it's our neighbors, the people that come to our church. Jesus calls us to be friends. Jesus calls us friends. We're his friend. So how is it that a lot of times we can live life being so busy that we're unable to make friends? We should know our neighbors deeply. We should know our our, our coworkers, our classmates, the people around us. We shouldn't just know of them. God put them in our lives so that we can call them friends. That, that is what he wants us to do as, as, as followers of Christ. And like I said, our, our world glamorizes this busyness. And I'm so thankful for this weekend because it, it caused me to think about the simplicities and the ways that I can simplify my life, the ways that I need to, so that I can focus on the mission that God has called me to live out. And how all this busyness, all these things that I put on my plate, how they cause me to focus attention to myself. 
The people in proximity to you should experience the love of Christ because of the love of Christ that flows within you. The best way to, to tell if a plant is alive and thriving is to look at its fruit. If it's no longer producing healthy fruit, it's likely the, the branch of the plant is no longer healthy and may soon die. I have a, 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 a quote that I want to end us off with in looking at this. is because, because we are attached to the vine, because of what Christ has done and the example that he's given, it should cause us to, um, to love others in a completely different way. Christ loves us despite our flaws, despite our imperfections, despite what we've done, despite our mistakes. And there are many people in our lives that, you know, are simply that we create in our minds that we feel like are hard to forgive. People that have wronged us. Um, people that are, 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 are different in a lot of ways, people that don't always have the same perspectives. And I love this, this quote from Jefferson Bethke. He says, love others so radically that they wonder why. God is going to give us some very difficult situations. He is going to give some people that we consider in our sinful nature that we would say are quote unquote heart love. And that shouldn't be a thing. Because if they're considered hard to love, aren't you? We should be inspired by what Christ has done on the cross and loving us anyways, loving us unconditionally, loving us in spite of our flaws, loving us despite the fact that we sin against him daily. And because of recognizing that love that he gives to us, that should inspire the love that we offer to others. I, I, I think of one coworker uh, that I was working with one time, and it was a very difficult situation because, like I said, I'm a people pleaser, so I like pleasing people, all right? That, that, that's my lean, and I, I know that, and that's not okay at all times. And so it hurts me a lot when people aren't pleased with me. And there, there was a guy who I would put in my sinful nature in this quote unquote hard to love category. Who I who I would say, you know what, he was giving not only me problems, but all the rest of my coworkers. And I was like, God, I don't know how to figure this thing out. And someone put it on my heart and mind to say, hey, have you prayed for him? Are you praying about him? And that was so convicting for me because, to be honest, in my sinful nature, I was like, I don't want to pray for this dude. He's so rude to me. He's so rude to the people around them. Like, he's not worth my effort. He's not worth my time. But we're all flawed. We're all imperfect. We talked about the fact that we are all broken, that the church, the gathering of believers is a hospital, not a museum to show everything that we got all together. And so since we're all broken, we're all messed up, I know this is a story that probably relates to you in some type of way, that there might be someone that comes to mind. But it's important for us to remember the work that Christ has done on the cross for us. It's important for us to remain and connect to the vine. And by God's doing, 
he taught me a very important lesson of praying some praying over someone who was constantly wronging me and others. And I'm thankful enough to see that situation turn around and God teach me a very beautiful lesson in the process that I'm able to share with you guys today. God has that great power to change hearts and minds. And instead of thinking that we can produce all the time and change situations in our own hands, God wants us to remain and abide in him. So I want us to think about where in our life are we making complex? Life is going to be complex, but, you know, we probably shouldn't be doing our part to add more to it, even though at some point we probably will. Life is complex, but where can we take these complexities and take on some, some simple habits that make a big difference? I promise leaning into these simple habits will, will, will cause us to change and will allow us to stay, remain, re- remain connected to the vine and produce that fruit of the spirit, which ultimately produces that wine, which is the love of God. It's like, where in my life is God telling me to just sit down and remain in him? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. Uh, for the beautiful lesson of the vine and the branches. God, I know this, this truth, this very simple truth is one that can be very anti-cultural.